This program is a paid commercial announcement and in no way represents the views of WPHT or its management. Now on Talk Radio 1210, WPHT, WPHT, HD, WOGL, HD3, Philadelphia. Saturday Night Live with Philly Labor. If we don't move in our own direction, we're going to become extinct. In fact, in some cases, we're close to being extinct right now. Presented by Weinerman Pain and Wellness, serious doctors for serious injuries, and powered by the law offices of Pond, Lee Hockey, Stern, Giordano. Talk, listen, and speak to the region's most influential leaders. It's Saturday Night Live with Philly Labor. And welcome in, everybody, on a Saturday night here on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. It's Saturday Night Live with Philly Labors. We broadcast to you uh, on a Saturday night uh, in with Jay Doc and Ryan Boyer in the studio and a big show planned up tonight. <clears throat> that drum roll should not be played tonight, Jay Doc. We are a little mix-up. We, we, we got a mix-up. I've never mix seen up. Dan Loney so upset in my yeah, entire life. A little snafu with the food. It's my fault. Look at him in there. He's, he's, gonna be, he's, he's starving to death in there. He's, he's, Look like you're starving to death. I am. I'm wasting away to nothing here. <laughs> we always begin by oh, breaking man. bread and setting the table. So coming up tonight at 8 to 11, you're going to have a gnarly Dan Loney because no food in studio yeah. tonight. Right. Uh, Ryan, that lays at your doorstep, brother. That does. I, you know, I was working on some things and on some phone calls, and I plum forgot. Now I, I left a great cookout to uh, come here. So I we could have done that. We could have done the show live <laughs> from the cookout. From the cookout. Jay Doc, yeah. what are you going to do? Well, I mean, I'm going to go on a diet. I think Dan Loney's coming in here. Security, please. Sec- what? What's up, Dan? Can I just say <laughs> that? I've never been more, more dis- disheartened in your entire life in my t- entire professional career than well, today. And here's why: Go ahead. I spent all day not eating at the little league field, umpiring games for a tournament for mm-hmm. my son, my kids' little league. Oh, a- <laughs> I had to deal with hot dogs and chicken tenders, and I was like, <laughs> you know what? I'm not going to eat a lot. <laughs> I know I've got a great meal coming my oh, way. Man. God. It's not feel terrible. Out listen. the window. What age, man? What age? My How, kids? Yeah. 11 and 8-year-old twins. Oh, wow. That's great. That's great. Awesome. That's good stuff. Oh. Listen, we're coordinating. You know, we're just getting, uh, uh, you know, we're a little off track here. It's, on, it's, the, it's this thing called texting. <laughs> I know. Or, or I know. Yeah. Who has the food, right? I know. <laughs> right. I know. Exactly. And who's, ha- got, who's got it? And, and this on top of last week, too. Oh, my God. I know. I know. We weren't in. We weren't. Uh, right, right. Listen. Here's what we here. Joe, it's we your, make an unconditional commitment and promise from this point forward that we'll Ryan, be coordinated. That will be coordinated. <laughs> coordinated. And that will never say, happen right. again. Well done. All right. Sorry about that, uh, Dan. Sorry, Dan. Did you hear me? Security. It's Saturday Night Live <laughs> with Philly Labor as we get underway here on a Saturday night. Uh, one, we might not be able to eat food in the studio tonight, but one thing you can do right now uh, in the state of Pencil- Pennsylvania right. is you can walk into. A Pennsylvania state-controlled liquor store, and you can buy alcohol, and you can get quality products and and treat it with with a, an individual who's serving you who's a professional, and also more importantly, they have no incentive. 
to serve underage liquor. We have no problems in the state of Pennsylvania with underage people buying uh, packaged goods because the people at the Wine and Spirit are great unions. They're trained, and they have no incentive from a pushy owner trying to push profits to right. say, oh, they look old enough. Exactly. And and, and for some reason, that, that's just not good enough for some of our legislators. As we get into the conversation in the opening uh, block and in and, and first half hour uh, of the show, I can't figure it out. I'm 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 going dumb. When I do the math, I can't figure it out. Let's bring in Wendell Young, who's joining us uh, here on Saturday Night Live with uh, Philly Labor. Wendell, a good Saturday evening, sir. Welcome into the big show. Hey, everybody. How, how you doing? How are you, Wendell? I tried to good. give you a call good, thanks. because, uh, you know, Krause is right. I don't get the math. Wendell, we, talk, we went through this... Uh, exercise the rad in the hotel and we went through it and the math was pretty clear to me it's probably clear to my fourth grader how is it not clear to the legislature of the commonwealth of pennsylvania well ryan the the um, liquor stores clearly are very profitable um always have been always going to be uh they make more money every year uh, mike terzai has been leading the charge for seven years now not the first time in the history of the liquor system but the most recent you know, uh, a cycle has been led by uh, Speaker Terzai. It started when he became lead, leader uh, in 2011. Uh, it, 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 the bottom line is this. The system contributes, after all expenses, about $650 million to Pennsylvania. It, it delivers that in different pockets. Some's taxes, some's pure profit, some's money back to municipalities, money to the uh, state police for enforcement issues, but it adds up to over $650 million. It's clearly a very profitable asset. Uh, we had a debate that's gone on. Um, you know, there were hearings in the beginning in 2011, 12, 13. Terzai no longer wants hearings because what happens at the hearings is the metrics come up, the math, as you said, and the facts start to dominate over the talking points the Republicans have. And they talk about selection. They talk about prices, how it'll be, you know, nirvana, so much better here if we privatized. You know, we travel, you guys travel. Um, when you go to vacation destination places or, or tourist uh, business uh, destinations, the stores you see in private states are the few that might be really good stores, but, but the reality is in private states, almost every store looks like some of the stores across the river in Camden. When and no, they have when, very when, low selection, higher prices, and let me just finish with this real quick. Pennsylvania generates amongst the highest profit per gallon sold of wine and spirits in the nation. And we have the lowest death rate in the nation consistently for many years uh, related to alcohol. And those are stats that we should never want to lose. And Wendell, I know J-Doc wants to jump in. I, I just can't, in its simplest form, I can't understand. I can't imagine one person being able to convince me when you look at the pure math, the pure math, mathematics, well, the amount of money not, generated versus the amount of money that you're going to generate if you privatize, it's not even close. Am I, am I not, accurate? You're right. But you see, for Mike Terzai and his supporters, it's not really about that. Um, they've given up on a fact-based discussion. They go completely on philosophy because what they're really doing is trying to turn over a very valuable asset to private retailers who will pay not only 
a lot of money uh, into PACs um, of those who help accomplish right. this. But in today's world of independent expenditures, unlimited amounts of money into uh, those kind of accounts. And, and let's face it, who controls this? The people that have the most to make are some of the distributors, and the most to gain are some of the distributors and brokers in the system. You know, right now Pennsylvania uses its, its uh, size, its volume as a purchaser to leverage really good deals that they pass on to the consumer while making a lot of money for the taxpayers. Um, the brokers don't like that. They're the ones that get squeezed in the middle. The producers are still going to get their price. They're going to shave what they pay to the brokers and the, and the distributors. And that's where this is. That's one of the big driving forces here. They don't like being leveraged that way. They'll be able to buy a few more Gulfstream jets and a few more mega mansions on the beach if they didn't have to deal with better pricing for Pennsylvania. Spindle, um, you're, and you're, let's, let's, we've been talking about this, and we've had it, you, know, you and I and, and, uh, and Krause and, and, and Pat Eiding on a show for the last several years, and it's just mind-boggling, and I've said this many times, these, these individuals like Mike Terzai, um, like, so we're talking about the dollars and cents right now and, and agree to, to, behind it. How many, in, how many workers are going to, whose jobs um, are, you know, are going to be affected by this, Wendell? So there's 5,000 people, and I'm rounding. rounding. There's 5,000 people that work for the PLCB. About 3,500 of them are UFCW members across the state. They're the people you see in the stores, majority of the people you see in the stores. There's an independent manager's union under state law, PLRB, have to have a separate uh, unit there, so they have a meet and discuss unit. It's called ISSU, Independent State Store Union. They represent around eight or nine hundred people. ASME has about five hundred, four to five hundred administrative jobs. The rest are management, supervisors, and uh, executives, uh, office staff in Harrisburg, and some sub offices. Um, and then you have the warehouses. The warehouses are run by private uh, contractors, and the biggest of them all is right here in the Philadelphia area, and, and that's a Teamster warehouse. So it's not just the state workers that are affected by this. It's also the warehouse folks. Um, if this were completely privatized and some of the things being talked about now will get us there pretty quickly, um, those warehouse jobs will be lost. Most of the PLCB employees will be lost because most of them are deployed in the stores. Now, you know, we've heard people for years say, oh, well, you know, the private sector is going to create jobs for them, all these expanded supermarkets. It's you know, not going to create that not, many and, jobs. And it's not going to be able to create as many jobs because they'll just have a person that, that's ringing up your groceries, ring up your wine. I mean, right, it, exactly it, it, it right. creates what, nothing. Right, it, it, what they're doing now is with the supermarket wine expansion is a great example. They're just rearranging the space. Yeah, they're, 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 this Acme down the street from me just opened their new um, beer and wine section, and they have less snack foods, less other things. And they didn't hire new employees for it. They just reassigned existing employees. Same with ShopRite down the street from me. They're all doing the same. There's no new jobs being created by this. This is a net loss of good jobs with pensions, with benefits that are completely paid for from the sale of alcohol with no expenses to the taxpayer. So the one thing in the state of Pennsylvania and government that actually makes a profit for all taxpayers, even those that don't drink. And Wendell, can I ask you a question about the rural parts of the state and the center of the state where private industry won't even go because there is no customer base? So what about the service to those people? So it's I, like I the it's, post office argument. Ryan, you raise a good point. What some people in, in legislature are saying is that we ought to at least have private stores in these rural areas. Well, I've been to rural areas of other states. 
and you got a general store that sells everything, including ammo and guns, and a very small selection of very high-priced, you know, wine and spirits. Um, in our rural parts of the state, we have liquor stores that have thousands of items in them. Uh, even if people rarely buy them, um, they'll stock things just for the hunters, and the hunters are going to be up there. The private sector is not going to do it. Now, now some folks complain that our stores don't have enough hours in those locations. You know, I, I've spent some time up in the woods in Pennsylvania. Not only do we have members throughout all PA, but, but I've done some, some you know, vacationing here in-state. And one thing I know, when you're out there in those rural areas, you got to drive a long way for everything, for the supermarket, for the bank, for the drug store, for the hardware store. Right. You might have to drive an hour. That's why you're out in the rural area. Exactly. So, you know, there's no, there's no magic to privatizing this that then you're going to have a liquor store every five minutes in the middle of nowhere. Private industry gonna is not going to put anything in the middle of nowhere because where there's no people, there's no profit. Wendell Young is our live guest here on Saturday Night Live with Philly Labors. We broadcast you live on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. Wendell, please stay on the horn. We're going to take a commercial break. We'll continue our conversation. And while we're in break, I can tell you this. We're going to try and mash through the numbers. They don't make sense. When you take 5,000 people and put them out of work, and the math doesn't add up. From, po- from the political officials that are supposed to create jobs. It does not add up. I can't figure out why anyone one person would want privatization of the liquor stores in Pennsylvania. We'll have more with Wendell Young when we come back. The private sector liquor stores that are across the borders in Jersey or Delaware or Maryland where, you know, it's a minimum wage and folks uh, drift in and out and, of course, they have all kinds of problems with underage drinking and, um, you know, robberies and all the kinds of things that we don't have here in Pennsylvania because we have a state-run uh, wine and spirit system. That's Rick Bloomingdale from uh, a show that we did with Rick on Memorial Day. Joining us back here on uh, Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. It's Saturday Night Live with Philly Labor and Ryan Boyer and J-Doc uh, here uh, in the studio. Coming up at the bottom of the hour, um, State Senator Sharif Street uh, will join us as budget uh, negotiations or budget discussions, Ryan, are still in play this weekend. Well, the budget discussions are in play, and that's why we have Wendell on, because people won't take the tough votes and get revenues in this budget, so they try to kick the can down the hole, so now they're trying to say that we privatize our liquor store, we can get money from licensure, but it's a short-term fix to a long-term systemic problem. So, Wendell, I know you're getting tired of being dragged in every time budget season comes. Well, we have people in Harrisburg all day today, actually all day for the last few weeks, and um, it's, I'm glad you're switching the budget. Last week, as you all know, uh, but for the listeners, the, the legislature passed an appropriations bill for $31.9 billion. What they didn't do is figure out how to pay for it. So those haggle uh, sessions are going on now. And it, there's about $30, million expect, or $30 billion expected in revenue and taxes. So they got a $1.9, let's call it a $2 billion hole to close. Uh, one way to do it that's been talked about, and I think it's a good idea, uh, is to uh, borrow against the cigarette uh, money. Now, it's only a good idea if you figure out later how to put that back. But putting that aside, if, if the money is available and it can be leveraged short term, then by all means, go ahead and do it. It's cheaper than other ways to borrow. And it's better than cutting programs for the school or cutting out infrastructure jobs or, or cutting out, you know, uh, uh, other things that affect working people or raising taxes on people who work for a living. Um, so what it comes down to 
is a, I'm sorry, the, the borrowing they're looking to do is arguable. It's between 1.2, 1.3 billion. So they're trying to come up with five, seven, eight hundred million more dollars to fill that gap. And the liquor piece that, that's, uh, that's in play, uh, there's a handful of different bills the House passed in the recent months that are sitting in the Senate. And they're trying to move any one or any combination of those. The problem is they're earmarking about 200 million in new revenue. The problem, guys, is there's not going to be any new revenue. No, because uh, once we, you lose the sales, you lose the revenue that you bring in, and th- that's a one-time so, licensure fee. It's, even, but even under these bills, the licensing fees are very insignificant. They're not huge amounts of money. And look at what happened last year with Act 39. You now have supermarkets, a certain number of them, selling wine. Um, every bottle that those supermarkets sell, they have to buy from the PLCB. However, they get a discount. And that means that every bottle a consumer buys at Acme or ShopRite or somewhere else, other than the liquor store, the taxpayers of Pennsylvania are taking a 10% haircut. Wendell Young is on the line with us here on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. Rick Bloomingdale jumping into the conversation by phone. Rick, thanks very much for uh, tuning into the big show and joining uh, the conversation. I know we only have you for a minute, but I appreciate it. I want to get you to weigh in. We're having a discussion again uh, about this privatization conversation. I just want to get your input on it. Uh, well, and thank you for asking me to join the show. Of course, there's you know, no better uh, expert on, on the liquor store issue than Wendell, uh, who I heard talking about it. But, uh, you know, the, the budget fight that's going on now and finding revenues, you know, and, and let me just uh, go back to kind of a historical fact. And, you know, at one point, uh, businesses paid a full 30 percent of the uh, taxes that went to the state budget. They're now down to 15 percent. Over the last 20, 25 years, we've continually cut taxes. And had we not done that, there would be plenty of revenue. And as we've seen from cutting taxes on businesses, that it, it doesn't always generate the kind of jobs and, and revenues that people talk about. And, of course, privatization, uh, as you all were talking about, any privatization of a, of a government or state asset, uh, you know, it's a, as was mentioned, it's a one-time deal. Uh, and you don't get any continuing revenue from that. And, you know, the the state stores, uh, the wine and spirit shops have been just a great revenue producer for many, many years, probably since uh, uh, they were created in the late 30s. Uh, have been a great producer to the state for revenue. So I, I don't know why they would look for a one-time solution. They have the, They have the solution, which is they just need to get some guts and, you know, uh, do a shale tax, a fair shale tax. Uh, they need to close the Delaware loophole, and they need to get some real revenues into the state government and get business to pay its fair share. We all pay our fair share, and we just need to get businesses to do that as well. Rick, thanks very much for jo- uh, jumping in on a Saturday night uh, with your perspective. Appreciate it. That's Rick Bloomingdale, uh, the president of the Pennsylvania uh, AFL-CIO, weighing in. Wayne, um, Wendell Young is on the line with us. Uh, I am totally perplexed, totally confused. Ryan, J. Doc, Wendell, Rick, I, well, I, I, I do Wendell, math, let me ask you a question. I, the math does not add no, up No, it, do- it doesn't add up. And, and, and how much do we lose? Um, with, with, with in in in, ta- in in taxes in regards to laying off five thousand people. Well, I mean, the the cost uh, there's uh, as you know a, what's called a multiplier effect. So, you know, people who who work for a living spend money in their communities. 
Um, you get rid of this system, you get rid of 5,000 jobs. Um, you're talking about hundreds of millions, uh, billions of dollars within a handful of years of positive economic impact that will be lost. Let's look at how much our state invested in saving 100 jobs at the uh, shipyard here in Philadelphia. Look how much money was put into doing the refinery out of Western PA. Um, you know, we've put, what, something like $1.8 billion of our taxpayers' money behind that project. And you can go right on down the line. Um, when, when we have 100, 200, 300 jobs at risk of leaving the state, the state pours money into trying to keep those jobs here, or if there's an opportunity to create new jobs here, they're about to flush 5,000 jobs. Ryan, ever seen anything like it? I have not, but it's, it's, it's as Rick Bloomingdale said. We have weak back politicians that have signed some stupid pledge that they will not raise any taxes when you need investment. And, in, in, you know, the budget is the budget. Those are real numbers. You have to plug them. And somebody's going to be left holding a big bag of poop. And we can't do this. And the one thing I, I disagree with, when do we have the money from the tax settlement, I, I don't like borrowing on that money. That's like going to J.G. Wentworth and, you know, giving your structured settlement up. I think that, as Rick yeah, said, we do the, we, we close the Delaware loophole. Uh, we um, ask corporate America to pay its fair share. And, you know, on incomes are over 75000 we have like a half a percent, add a half a percent to their income tax, and we're out of this. And we can also fund the schools. And we can stop, you know, messing with good working people that has the lowest mortality rate on alcohol when in the, the country. Yeah, Ryan, I, I, I agree with you. Think back to Governor Wolf's first budget, where he talked about all those things and more uh, instead of borrowing, leveraging, uh, doing those kind of things. Now, let, let me offer a different way to come up with the money. You know, I just, I, I was just dealing with the realities of where the parties are right now, that they're not squabbling over how to uh, bridge the $2 billion. They're squabbling, squabbling over about six to $800 million right now, and which pieces are going to fill that. But here's another way to do it. Take the, the liquor stores have consistently earned 4 to 6% increase in revenue, profit, and taxes every year forever. And a very simple reason why. When the producer prices go up, every year they go up a little bit, um, all the layers of tax and overhead get bumped up automatically. So even though the, the PLCB doesn't have to change a thing, uh, they just you know automatically take in more money because people consistently buy liquor every year. You can go to the bond markets on that. You can go to the bond market and borrow one, two, three billion dollars on the future revenue of the system. And then give the PLCB the tools to properly price to sell products out of state through the internet. The kind of things that other retailers do right now, the kind of things that Amazon does. And we'll not only satisfy that bond uh, issue, um, but we'll, we'll go beyond that. We'll bring in more profit. We've done the research. Others have done the research. We've done the metrics on it. The system can produce a lot more money than it does right now. But the conservatives that are behind this, it's really not about that. It's about putting a, a very profitable asset in their friends' hands. Ryan, I'm, like Ryan said, certainly it's infuriating thinking about it. And, and, and we've talked about it many times. Wendell, I uh, want to thank you so much for calling in. You're, uh, you're coming back, Wendell. <laughs> this is one conversation. There's just not enough time in the show to get it done. No, there's so, so many different well, I, I hope uh, there's, there's a lot of important budget issues. 
you know, I I, I got to give this governor credit for really trying to hold the line on things after what happened with the last budget debate. You know, we're one of those pieces. You know, we're there not just for the liquor. We're, we've been camped out in Harrisburg, but on all the other issues too. Whether it's teachers, building trades members, you know, folks in in the uh, communications workers. You know, we all have a lot in common here. We all have our, our, our issues we have to look out for. And, and the one thing the listeners can do is get on the phone to those legislators and, and, and talk about some of the things Ryan talked about, the Delaware loophole, the smokeless tobacco. Uh, you know, there, there's a lot of tax loopholes that could be closed rather than take things away from working people. Wendell Young, president of UFCW 1776. Wendell, thanks so much for joining us. All right, good stuff, Wendell Wendell. Young. Thank you very much. It's Saturday Night Live uh, with Philly Labor on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. State Senator Sharif Street. He joins us after the break from Harrisburg. They're burning the midnight oil on the budget. We'll have that. With Ryan Boyer, J. Doc, and Krause on a Saturday night. Back in a moment. Back here live on Saturday Night Live with Philly Labor on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. Coming up the top of the hour, a gnarly and hungry Dan Loney from 8 to 11. (laughs) With Ryan Boyer and J-Doc, I'm Krause in the studio uh, as we roll on to the top of the hour. Uh, Krause, you talk about our legislators burning the midnight hour, uh, working the weekend, and certainly we have... uh, uh, State Senator Sharif Street representing the 3rd Senatorial District in Philadelphia on the line from Harrisburg. Sharif, uh, welcome to the show. Hey, how are you? How are you, Sharif? So what's going on there, pal? Well, you know, we were we had a we had a busy day of uh a lot of discussions about trying to generate the revenue to pay for uh pay for this budget that we've uh that we adopted. So, uh, what, t- talk to us about some of the suggestions uh, people were making. Well, unfortunately, the suggestions don't center around the the, the most responsible things, which would be to generate uh, recurring uh, recurring uh, revenue. There are some ideas talking. There are a lot. There are lots of ideas about talking about borrowings. Um, I was listening earlier, and I tend to agree with you, Ryan, that that's not the best way to solve this problem. But it might be. It might be the best solution that we can, uh, one of the better solutions we can reach rather than uh, cut services or lay off workers, but it, it's not the best way. Um, there, are also, there are also some talk about um, potentially doing expanded gaming um, and, that, and that that could, that could also expand our revenues. But, now, how, but we're how not much talk- revenue are they talking about from expanded gaming, Sharif? Uh, about a quarter of a billion dollars, and that's, is that annual reoccurring or just a one time? That the gaming revenue, some of it would be reoccurring. The idea is that eventually it would all be reoccurring. What would happen is the way that it has been suggested, and I have no way of knowing whether or not gaming revenue numbers are real, is that a lot of that revenue in the first year would be from licensing fees, but that in in future years, as the uh, as the industry ramps up and, and the customer base picks up, that that would that would 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 be recurring revenue. Wow! So, Sharif, is there the the usual philosophical difference between the four caucuses, the Republican House and the Republican uh, Senate, versus the Democrat House and the Democratic Senate? And what are some of the sticking points to getting this deal done? What are the greatest points of contention? Um. 
Well, some of the some of the contentions are one of the biggest points is that the governor wants to make sure that there's enough recurring revenue and it's not all one-time tricks or borrowing uh, because there are some concerns that Standard, Standard & Poor's announced that if we didn't have uh, some portion of this wasn't real recurring revenue that we couldn't we could face a bond downgrade, which means that the the amount of money the cost of uh, running the government and the borrowing would go up and could that and a, a bond downgrade could cost us another. Uh, twelve, fifteen million dollars uh, a year in the in the indefinite future. So the governor wants to make sure we don't experience bond downgrades. So there has to be recurring revenue. So that's one philosophical difference. But another is that the um, about what type of gaming revenue the uh, House Republicans want to see uh, VGTs. What is that? In some form, which what is VGTs are uh, video games in taverns. Okay. That's what it stands for. Mm-hmm. Um, as and uh, what the uh, Senate has been what's been uh, proposed a little bit, been advanced in the Senate by both Senate Democrats and Republicans is that we look at ancillary locations so that at least if we're going to have um, a gaming we can at least get the the, sta- the standard jobs that come out of a casino as well as the construction jobs of building uh, smaller casino locations in underserved areas. So, so Sharif, uh, I don't know if you got an opportunity to uh, listen to our conversation uh, prior to. Part of it. Okay, so we had Wendell Young on and Rick Blumendown. We were talking about um, the liquor industry and 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 the uh, privatization of our liquor stores and the potential of losing five thousand jobs. Um, as an individual who is you know represents uh, you know the third senatorial district. Um, is that could you could you even imagine uh, proposing legislation? Well, I think I think mass privatization of the liquor stores is a terrible idea. I think it would be a one time a one time revenue. We in, in the long run, it would cost us more money because we would lose jobs, which means those people wouldn't be paying income taxes. They wouldn't be investing in their communities, and ultimately, it would it it, it those dollars wouldn't turn over. Of course, uh, wouldn't turn over in the way. So it would be a problem. I think it's a really bad idea. Um, and and I, but I, you know, it doesn't. It appears to me that the the folks who are advancing liquor privatization are doing it are driven by by more than. It's not just about revenue. I think they just want to get rid of. Uh, they want they they must be tied to other interests or have a different philosophy about how we distribute um, liquor. <laughs> because if you look at it from a um, a, uh, a monetary percent, the the, uh, the the liquor stores and, and and liquor ownership by the Commonwealth is a winner for the taxpayers. It's generated revenue consistently over the years. And a matter of fact, if we wanted to deal with some of our some of our uh, long time structural deficits, we could we could pay off some of that by securitizing the revenue from liquor because and it wouldn't even cost the taxpayers money to pay off those bonds because that's revenue we know is coming in that doesn't come from taxpayers. Um, the selling of liquor stores just doesn't make any sense at it's, all. It's a, it's a giant wheel. Wow. It's a wheel. Well, so Mike Terzai is not good. He's not going to rest until he lays off 5,000 Pennsylvanians. Well, well Sharif, if, if I were to ask you to handicap, do you think they would get this uh, bill, uh, this budget done by Tuesday? Uh, I would say... 50-50 that we're done by Tuesday. I think there's a very real possibility, in part because we've eliminated so many of the options. Um, there's, I, I, I support a shale tax, um, and, and I, as the governor does, that would bring in $500 million in recurring revenue. We're not even really discussing that. Um, we could do things like um, 
securitized uh, liquor sales. We're not discussing that. We could talk about a gross receipts tax on large businesses that shift their um, rev- shift their revenue, their losses to Pennsylvania, so they don't have to pay taxes here or close the Delaware loophole. Um, all of those are things we're not really discussing. So what are we discussing? Uh, so we're discussing a borrowing, and we're discussing some sort some sort of gaming revenue, um, and then some some uh, quick fixes. And so there's not a whole lot to discuss there. And, and I think once we resolve which type of gaming revenue we're going to have, that will we'll pretty much be able to close out this budget uh, in short order in a way where we have enough recurring revenue that we don't get we don't have to worry about our bonds getting downgraded. But at some point, we have to look at growing the gross domestic of the product based on something other than just gaming. And I don't have a problem voting for gaming revenue, but we do need to look at other sources of revenue. We can't be a state that's or our only new sources of revenue are, are increases in gaming. As Nevada, yeah. the biggest gaming state in the country, moves away from gaming as a percentage of its GDP because gaming is fickle and millennials don't gamble. That's why they right. moved, that's why they moved into marijuana. I don't want to get into that conversation, yeah. but that's why But they moved yeah. into, but they moved into tourism and other things prior to marijuana. They right, you know, gaming used to yeah. be 60% of their revenue is down in the 30s now. And that was before medical marijuana crowds you now, you know. Yeah, so gaming gaming is in Pennsylvania gaming is an expanded part of our gross domestic product. Um we are also that we you know we did move towards uh we have now legalized some forms of medical marijuana which is going to come on board in the in the next fiscal year so there'll be some revenue for that and and there are the, and I do support an expansion of marijuana but I think we have to look at more tr- investing in more traditional businesses as well and attracting like uh we attracting complex manufacturing and and those kind of family sustaining jobs uh, ultimately to have a stable economy we're not going to do that between now and closing out this budget um, but if we're but if we look towards future budgets and a strong economy, it has to be diverse, uh, and it has to be it has to be an economy that's based on family sustaining jobs. And you, like you said, Ryan, gaming can be fickle, um, and and it should be a part of an overall tourist uh, tourism and hospitality industry. It shouldn't just be a standalone thing. State Senator Shreve Street joining us here on Saturday Night Live uh, with Philly Labor on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. Uh, Sharif, uh, can you stay with us uh, while we go to a quick break? I don't know if he got you there. I don't know if he got you. Sharif? It sounded like the uh, cell phone monster guy. Uh, well, let's... Uh, let's go to let's go to break, and then we'll bring Sharif back with us uh, after the break on Talk Radio twelve ten WPHT. Back here live on Saturday Night Live with Philly Labor on Talk Radio twelve ten WPHT, presented by Weinerman Pain and Wellness, serious doctors for serious injuries. Well, listen, we're back, and we're talking about this. We're bug- hungry, Rye. We're hungry. Oh, we're back, man, and we're hungry. Uh, we're going to McDonald's uh, after this. J Doc is fine. <laughs> J Doc is gnarly. I'm wasting away to nothing over here. <laughs> Senator Street, I would be remiss and be a building trades guy and didn't ask you in that budget, is there room for Rack P grants so that we can spur this economy through building and construction? Yes, we actually expanded the uh, something we adopted to, that we uh, voted out of, uh, I think, committee today, wasn't it? Uh, an additional $75 million in Rack P over the governor's additional original request. So there is a significant amount of additional money for RACP spending. 
Well, that's that's always a good thing. Sharif, what are your budget priorities when you go in that room and you represent the third senatorial district that is very diverse? You have big hospitals and science centers with Temple, but you have some of the poorest people also in the city of Philadelphia. So what when you go in there with those diverse interests, what how do you prioritize that? Well, you know, I've been making sure that the health care dollars don't get cut. We have a, a huge Medicaid uh, population and some of the largest uncompensated care at both Temple and Einstein. We to make sure that the, those populations are continued to be able to be served. Uh, we have folks that need jobs, and so I support uh, and, and I'm making sure that going forward that we're going to pay for a training center. I think the laborers might be interested in doing one. Um, so that's Very a big budget for <laughs> that's been a big budget priority for me, um, and, and, and and also I'm I'm interested in making sure that uh, that we continue to fund increase funding to education, and that's one of the in our public school system. That's one of the things that's a priority for the governor, and it's a priority for me. But I think if you have uh, people have decent health care, uh, a good job to go to, and a good school to send their young people to, then we'll, we'll, we can start to. That gives us a framework to build communities around. And, and Sharif, talk about the the, the, the minimum wage. The, the governor wants uh, he calls for a minimum wage increase to, to twelve dollars um, per hour. And then you got uh, somebody, Scott State Senator Scott Wagner, who wants to raise it to eight dollars and seventy five cents. I think what's it over three years, Ryan? Who makes his money off of government? Unbelievable! Yeah, well, what a hypocrite. Yeah, part of why, I mean, I, I said, look, I, said, I was supportive of the fight for $15. I certainly think the fight, $12 is, is, a, is a reasonable number that the governor has proposed. Um, what are the chances of that happening? Um, I don't think it's about to happen in the next three or four days, but I do think there's a chance that we could get um, a, a minimum wage increase. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, what we need to do is make sure that the, all the Democrats hold strong and all of the pro-labor Republicans, and there are some, um, are, are you know that they vote with the uh, that they vote with labor and not with a uh, a right wing party, uh, and I so I think that the votes are there if labor if labor uh, and the allies of labor organize together. I think it can be done. It's not going to be easy, but I do think we can get done at a minimum wage increase. Uh, I think it's unfortunate that Senator Wagner wants to uh, wants to limit it to just eight. Uh, was eight twenty five? You said. I mean, it'll keep a lot of people. Yeah. Right, eight dollars seventy five yeah. cents over four years. Over four years. It, it'll keep a over lot of people. Years. I think that's crazy because yeah. it keeps. He wants to keep people low in part because uh, a lot of businesses and, and I, I suspect his um, they they want to they want to make uh, huge profit margins by paying workers very little money, uh, and so we need to make sure that uh, and, and probably the the pit folks who are on the extreme right wing who he's he's courting for support to they want to continue to be exploit regular so exploit people and we should not have people who go to work every day and still need public public assistance, assistance exactly. exactly that's exactly that's crazy. What I, I agree with that's that exactly and, and, what I was really and a country as rich as this and a country as rich as this and a commonwealth as rich as this it's a sin to have people work 40 hours a week, 52 weeks a year. And still be on public still assistance. still be on public assistance. And as you were about to say, Sharif, it is nothing but a subsidy for big business. And it's wrong. I mean, there's no question about it. It's a joke. It's absolutely insulting. You got guys like Wagner and Terzai. You know, you come from a political family, uh, Sharif. Your father was Mayor Street, who who uh, was our mayor. Could you imagine being being a, a political official and treating your constituents like that? 
No, I can't imagine it. I mean, you know, we're elected by the people. We're supposed to serve people. There's too many people who are serving uh, large corporate interests and not regular folks who go to work and want to support their families. I, I sincerely doubt there's anybody in the, in the Commonwealth, whether you live in rural Pennsylvania, the mountains, or urban or suburban Pennsylvania, that believes that people should go to work every day and not be able to feed their families and need public assistance to live. It, it's, it's wrong, and it's something that uh, I just can't believe that I have so many people, there are so many colleagues and so many folks uh, who are elected officials that actually support the uh, uh, way of life that, and secondly, Henry Ford, who was uh, one of our one of our most preeminent businessmen, said that the way you build the American economy is by paying the worker a wage that allows him to live a middle class lifestyle, because that will drive everything else. So he started voluntarily increasing the wages for his workers because he said everyone that works building a car should be able to drive a, be able to afford to drive a car. Thank you, Senator. We appreciate you. And we we appreciate you coming on this evening when we know that you guys are stuck up and held up in that hotel for all these negotiations to go on so we can try to get this uh, budget passed. Thank you, Sharif. Keep the good Thank fight you. up. Keep up Thank the good fight. Thank you, guys. Fight. I appreciate you guys keeping the word out there so that we can, folks can know what's going on. All right, good stuff. It's Saturday Night Live with Philly Labor on Talk Radio 1210 uh, WPHT. Boys, we come to the final uh, last minute of the show. Ryan, I'll I'll give you first word. Uh, J-Doc, I'll come to you since you're a little fired up. I'll come to you last. Uh, Ryan, I'll give you 30 seconds for your last word on the big show today. Well, I always say, you show me your budget, I'll show you your priorities. And we have to prioritize working men and women in the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. For far too long, this recession and the recovery has forgotten the working man and woman. And we have to put that person first. And every legislation that we pass and every budget we pass should have an eye on. Does it help the man or woman that's working on Main Street? Yeah, and I'll tell you, uh, think about uh, you know our, our Republican candidates for for uh, for the governor in a couple of years. I think uh, Scott Wagger and Mike Terzai. Does that sound familiar? One wants to increase um, our, our uh, minimum wage to eight seventy five over three or four years, and the other one wants to lay off five thousand people. It's infuriating. It makes me sick to my stomach, and I don't know how they look at themselves in the mirror before they go you know, while they're brushing their teeth. Whatever. If they brush the teeth. On that note, we say goodbye on a Saturday Night Live. It's Saturday Night Live with Philly Labor on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT, presented by Weinerman Pain and Wellness, serious doctors for serious injuries. For Ryan Boyer from the big chair, for J-Doc, I'm Krause. We'll see you next time. seen that open space i hope you're saving that for medical marijuana because i'm a big fan i'm I'm a big fan of that and i just want to let you know we're talking big numbers we're talking as you know they're talking trillions but we're talking mucho billions around here of unionized pension money i haven't heard in six weeks one conversation about russia yet that's the reality. They come to me about jobs. They come to me a little bit about Obamacare, but they don't come to me about Russia. And with Philadelphia jumping out of the seams as a hospitality town, we need our transportation to be clean, efficient, safe, and on time. This program is a paid commercial announcement and in no way represents the views of WPHT or its management.